0: Hey husband!
1: Yes, wife?
0: What did one snowman say to the other? What? Do you smell carrots?
1: Wow!
0: and welcome to Random Thoughts. I'm wife.
1: And I'm husband.
0: And I felt like that joke was a little fitting considering what's happening in the rest of the country right now.
1: The snowpocalypse, if you will. Yes. Which, for the record, I hate that
0: term. I hate the term "snow apocalypse" too, which is why I wasn't going to bring it up. I was going to bring up the fact that it was going to be negative, like, 40 in places, and that's just ridiculous. I think ridiculous. I saw something
1: said that Chicago was going to be negative 50. Yeah, that's not Wait, okay.
0: That's not okay.
1: I, um, there's a point where I, I can't even fathom what negative 50 feels like Are it you're... feels like negative 50 what does that mean well like, that's I know insane.
0: when i was out in indiana for school it hit negative 40 the only reason i know is because i stupidly wore mascara and then my eyes froze together but the cool part is when it's that cold you can take boiling water and throw it outside and it instantly turns to snow it's like the best experiment ever i'm five deal with it that was
1: spectacular. Um,
0: it, it's really cool. For those of you who are stuck in the Midwest, I highly suggest doing it. Oh,
1: should make a movie about that story.
0: Um, you know what? <laughs> <laughs> Don't be mean. Don't be salty. Anyway. Um, so <laughs> We have a lot of crazy things going on in the World of Warcraft uh, news, along with the random Thoughts news. Yes,
1: yeah, so specifically for random Thoughts, just to get out of the way, we haven't disappeared. I know no. we haven't been as regular with our content. There is a reason for that. It's some personal, real-life stuff that's going on, so we did want to put out there that we're not going away, but we may be taking a small step back, so yeah. the... We still
0: love talking about the WoW TCG. We still love talking about gaming. Unfortunately, real life does happen. Um, And so we may not be able to be around as frequently.
1: But we will still be around. So as opposed to our previous every other week schedule, probably looking at something closer to once a month, hopefully we can either do longer episodes or we'll produce the same high-quality content. Yes. um, And we'll keep everybody coming back. But we did... feel it would be appropriate to put that out there and then once things settle down we're going to try and just get back into the swing of things but yeah for the next couple of months that's probably how it's going to shape up
0: yeah um so just to give you the give you the rundown it won't be forever um we're hoping to go back to our regularly scheduled programming but just to deal with it re- nonsense wife well anyway Definitely regularly scheduled nonsense, but uh, we we will let you know when we are back up to our old schedule. But as or of right now, you'll just see it
1: going up more, frequently. or it'll just happen,
0: <laughs> or it will just be like, oh wait, we have we can do it this week. Ah, we can do it again. Um, but hopefully, that gives us a lot of time to see more stuff going on because there is a lot of stuff.
1: Yep. So let's get into that. So, this past weekend, at least at the time of the recording, was the first of many WOW TCG Reborn events. So, we want to do a quick recap, and spoiler alert, later on we're going to have an interview with the winner. Yes! So, definitely listen to us ramble for a little while, but rather than skip it ahead. But, yeah. if you want to, feel free to skip ahead and listen to Patrick talk about Death Wish, his thoughts on the weekend, Classic, and a few other things we threw in there. Yeah. But, this past weekend was the first classic event in the WoW TCG Reborn series. So yes. it took place in Indy in what I understand to be horrific weather, which we were discussing a little bit a yeah. few minutes ago.
0: So um, it was out at the Games Preserve um, in Indianapolis. Um, lots of cold weather going on. It seems like it's only getting colder from there, and the, the uh, snow looked like it was coming from, for everybody. So, um, that being said, they had a great turnout at, uh, the event and it looks like everybody had a great time and I'm still super upset that we couldn't get out there.
1: So am I. Unfortunately, it sounds as though a number of other people also couldn't make it. So... If you look at the reports that Woodrow has been posting up on WOW TCG Reborn, or if you talked to anybody that was there, it sounds like the turnout was a little bit lower than initially anticipated, simply because a whole bunch of people said it's not really safe for us to try and get out there, or they didn't want to brave the elements. Which, to be perfectly honest, given what we were talking about before, I don't blame them.
0: No. um, With how cold and miserable all my friends who live in the Midwest look like they are, I don't blame them. Always keep yourself safe. We can always WoW another day.
1: Yep. So hopefully we'll see all those faces at future events because there are going to be a number of other WoW TCG Reborn events throughout the remainder of the year. Yes. Whether it happens to be Classic, there's some core in there. There's a number of different formats. And it sounded like even on the day, they were able to cover a number of different formats. Classic was the official tournament, but Chaos was getting played. I think they drafted. They had a whole bunch of stuff. And it sounds like everybody had a good time.
0: Yep. Um, According to Woodrow, the leader of the event... People were staying um, and just didn't want to leave, and were playing as late as they possibly could, which is exactly what you want to hear from a WoW event, oh, because of course. that means everybody's having a good time and continuing to play this game that we love.
1: Now, as far as the strategic side of things, as you mentioned, Patrick did take down the event with Death Wish. Yes, Woodrow was the runner-up with uh, Horde Mage, mm-hmm. undead Horde Mage specifically, which, as you can imagine, some of the usual culprits were there. Cough, cough, veer. Off so, off Nubarak. well, Anubarak also is a good thing to call out because he seems to be getting pretty ubiquitous when it comes to classic. Which I would like to say I started with my uh, list from a few years ago, but
0: I'm sure at least for those who listen, at least might to this might spark their memory that he's a thing. But let's be honest, he's a big angry spider. I don't think people were ever really forgetting about him.
1: Well, he is definitely going to make an impression because, as I said, he's showing up in a number of lists. Now, Patrick happened to be running Shadowmourne, which is a great answer. Mm-hmm. Now, I think Shadowmourne's a good Death Wish tutor target to begin with, but especially given how often Anubarak is now appearing and the fact that he's super difficult to deal with, and it also potentially messes with the Death Wish plan of reconstructing certain equipment. Mm-hmm. It's definitely good to have that option to just say, no, 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 we're, we're putting an end to that nonsense. So he definitely, in, in talking to him in our interview, it sounds as though that lined up pretty well for him.
0: Yeah, it seemed like it really worked out for Patrick um, and didn't really work out for anybody else. But it is good to see the fifth Beatle make an appearance.
1: Yep, so the top four, just to give the quick rundown, you can check it out over on wowtcgreborn.com. First place was Death Wish as we discussed. Mm-hmm. Second place was Blythe the Pyromaniac. Third place was Akumo of Thunder Bluff, and for those of you not familiar, it's a uh, Spider Solitaire-centric build, but including th- the Bugman himself that we were just yes. discussing. And also a stray Dagax, which I thought was interesting.
0: I mean, you know, I think Dagax should always appear everywhere, but that might just be me.
1: Well, it's one of the things that's unique about WoW that you can include these... One of's now dagax isn't necessarily a a silver bullet in the traditional no. sense. In that, oh well, against this particular matchup, if I draw this card, I just blow them out, and otherwise, I can just row it. Dagax, because this is an aggressive deck, just obviously represents five damage. You, five damage is a significant chunk of somebody's health. Yeah. So randomly, just going oh take five seems pretty good.
0: Yeah, definitely does.
1: And especially for the cheap cost, it's, it's a low, low cost of only two.
0: And like he's just, Dagax is one of my friends, so I'm always happy when I get to see him.
1: So rounding out the top four was Zovar the Fallen, which was actually a it's a green paladin, a green cru- grand crusader paladin, which is really yeah. unique.
0: Um I'm really interested in seeing that one more, just because I'm always interested in those green decks.
1: I'm very curious, because there's there's obviously a sub-theme, and again, you can head over to wowtcgreborn.com to check out the decks, but there's clearly a harmonized sub-theme. Mm-hmm. So, if you asked me, how would you build Green Grand Crusader, because I've actually thought about it before, uh, prior to seeing this list, I could certainly see an argument for some of these cards. For example, Keeper Sharis is elusive. Mm-hmm. So you end up with an elusive 2-3. The problem is it's only an elusive 2-3 after turn 3. So I could see the argument. I wouldn't necessarily run it myself. But because this curves into bigger threats, so you're dropping, say, Black Fang Tarantula on turn 1, then Gilblin Death Scrounder on turn 2, follow it up with a Grand Crusader. So now your opponent's under a lot of pressure. But then you could turn around and drop Edwins or Ulfox or Galdrin's. a couple turns later, and yeah. your opponent's suddenly going, uh, I can't well, really deal with that onslaught.
0: Yeah, really, I just see Edwin appear anymore, and I just die a little inside and cry and have to take a moment. So. I mean,
1: it's definitely a very interesting list. <laughs> I would definitely love to get Neil on the show to talk to him about his thoughts, why he came to certain conclusions, certain cards. Uh, Like I said, I have thought about Grand Crusader myself in green, and I probably personally would have gone a different route, so that's why it's interesting to see something Mm -hmm. so wildly different with the intent being the same core concept. So there there were definitely some interesting card choices across all the top four deck lists, whether it's in the board, it's in the main deck. Again, I encourage you to head over to the site. Uh, We can get it in the show notes later, so that way we can link directly to it. The Deathwish builds, obviously, are a lot of tutor targets, so you you have more leeway as to running some obscure card choices, Mm because you could just keys to the Armory for that one silver bullet. But there are a number of things across the other three, such as in Woodrow's Red Mage. Phoenix is a personal favorite card of mine. I'm very curious to see how it ended up being. Like, was it actually useful? Because most of the other lists... So you have Brodericks, you have Jade Fire Scouts, Gilblin Death Scroungers, Baxton, Death Fear, the aforementioned Anubarak, uh, who, by the way, pairs really well with Monstrous Frostbolt Volley. It would be really funny to turn five go, <laughs> oh, I'll bring back a Six Six Protector. Oh, and pop your entire board for six.
0: Yeah, look at... Could...
1: Seems good. That,
0: yeah, that seems pretty good.
1: Um, but, like I said, I'm very curious to see how Phoenix came out and whether it ended up being something worthwhile on the day for him. As I mentioned, the Dagax definitely stood out to me in Nathan's Spider Solitaire list. Yeah. Uh, he seems to... So he was running Magdar previously, so it seems to always be in this, this Shaman. Yeah, well, I like... guess I guess he also ran the um, the Bogmara list. I was going to make an yeah. assumption that he's always playing these DK Shaman builds, but that's not no, the you case. He
0: did, you did his, his version of Bogmara, um, which I like and still keep meaning to try out. Um, but yeah, he does, he does have a tendency to do those DK lists.
1: Well, it, uh, it clearly shows that he can play a number of different viable yeah. builds. So, yeah. uh, credit to him for that. And then again, we were just talking about the, uh, the Grand Crusader list, which definitely has me intrigued. But, one of the decks that unfortunately ended up sitting on the sidelines for the top four was a very interesting one. Yes. So, uh, you'll hear in the interview, and, uh, Hopefully, there will also be a write-up for this. So, first thing, anybody who was there, I would love to hear your thoughts on the event, whether that's on Facebook or maybe, I. and I'm not speaking on Woodrow's behalf, but if he is taking uh, tournament reports to see what your thoughts on the event were. Um, I would love to hear more about all these things, because based on the descriptions, there are a lot of cool ideas that were there. One of them being a Magdar list that combos you out for 50, potentially, on right. turn two.
0: So um we we got to love our combos. We got I like seeing them happen. I don't always like the seeing them happen against me. But um Patrick had some great stories about this combo.
1: Yeah, so for those of you unaware, basically there's a DK card called Rune of Vengeance. It buffs a weapon equal to the attack of an ally that you remove from a graveyard. Well, Azaloth is a 50/50 ally. <laughs> And funny story, Shalak Doom not only costs zero, but costs zero to swing with. Yep. And there are some other weapons that are along the same stat line. So basically, point being is that you get some redundancy for this particular combo. There aren't a whole lot of things that fit into the 50-50 ally mold. Yeah. But there are a number of ways that you can try and, you know, say the ever-present Ring of Blood, the Wyrmall champion. Yeah. It's a very common to...
0: You burn the cards. You put them in your, you put them in your graveyard. Oh hey, I just burned my fifty-fifty ally. What could possibly happen next? Boom, you're dead.
1: Yeah, and because it it sounds wild, because oh well, I took fifty on turn two. I got to play a resource on turn one. Woo! Woo. Like it, so much fun. It's obviously. I mean a single event is not enough to judge the deck no. by any means. So I'm very curious to see if people continue picking this up. But as we discussed in our interview with Patrick, it's a combo deck that you can interact with. So yes, it happens to be the graveyard, but it also if you have instant speed weapon removal, if you have instant speed ability removal, if you have any way to shuffle their graveyard, if you have any way to remove cards in their graveyard. yeah, There are a number of ways that you can include things to interact with it, that aren't dead cards in other matchups.
0: Yeah, no, there, I definitely think there's enough to see that the deck would be viable against thing other things. So right. I'm definitely curious to see what happens.
1: Yeah, it's, it, it's very easy to jump on the train and go, oh, well, this combo deck is so ridiculous. Um, and maybe it turns out to be, because it's such a cool idea and it's so new. But... I think the initial reaction should be, and probably will be, okay. Well, how do I actually play against this thing? How do I identify what it is quickly enough, in order to play against it? That being said, it's funny. It's easy to say from the outside, watching someone else get comboed out for 50 on turn two. Yes. Yeah. So, <laughs> um,
0: um, on really our funny. side, it's definitely fun to watch. Yes. I can imagine it's not so much fun to watch playing against it, but right. it is something that I would like to see, um, and I would love to see. Uh, like Husband said, tournament reports, or if you guys just... If you wrote in your diary that night and you want to share it with the world, I want to read it.
1: So there were some other interesting builds, and we don't have the deck list, at least at the time of this recording. So there were a couple Aberration Hunters. You kind of expect werewolves yeah. that they're going to show up. Uh, there's actually a surprising number of mages of different varieties. And then there was even a mill deck, which is kind of cool.
0: Yeah, so... um we have definitely messed around with a lot of Mildex mil yes. previously. I'm really curious to see uh, the deck list for this one. Um, just to see what he played and then mess around with it ourselves.
1: So let me ask you this, Wife, because I have some thoughts on it, but did is this the breakdown you were expecting? Did you? I mean, obviously, ignoring the outliers of the Rune of Vengeance combo or things that were pretty much unexpected... Did you anticipate seeing a lot of werewolves and a lot of mages?
0: I honestly didn't, but that's just because I feel like a lot of times I play werewolves and then no one does, or like I I feel like I expected at least one werewolf. I don't know if I expected three, right? Um, but I would, I think quantity wise it was probably a little more than I was expecting, but I I was definitely expecting like a spider solitaire. Um, but I probably... There's no lock.
1: Yeah, there are no warlocks, which is very unique. that was really
0: interesting to me. The fact that there were no warlocks...
1: Of any kind. And we're not just talking Tyrus. There were no Bogmaras. There were no warlock mid-ranges. There was no... I'm convinced that there's still a gnome warlock out there because Dimzer is still ridiculous. Maybe he's too slow for classic, but, like, he just seems crazy.
0: So, um, I am a little surprised that there weren't any warlocks. I will definitely say that. Um... But that being said, playing against Deathwish, I guess it's probably okay that there weren't that many
1: warlocks. Right. So um, it, one of the things, aside from the lack of warlocks, that stood out to me is that, and maybe it's because these type of events are are drawing a lot of people that want to do their own ideas, which is great. Yeah. That there aren't a lot. There is not, or was not, a lot of repetition from previous things. So yes, you have your standbys with werewolves. You have. I guess you can call some of the recurring things in the Spider Solitaire list. But the majority of the decks were ones that have not typically shown up at, say, Retro Bow events. Granted, yeah. Death Wish is not, and this isn't a slight, it's not exactly the most unique idea at this stage of the game. But
0: but it's still, it's not one that you see terribly frequently. Like, right. people know it exists, but they don't always play it. Um, and when we talked to Patrick later you're going to hear his excellent reasons for playing Deathwish.
1: Absolutely, yeah. So it it's definitely interesting to me the way the, the local tournament scene happened to shape up the local meta for this particular event. And unfortunately, since a lot of people got snowed out, I guess, or the weather prevented them from being in attendance, I'm very curious. So if you were planning to attend, let us know what you were thinking of playing, because I'm very curious what people... And do you think that you could have taken down the event given what everyone else played.
0: Yeah, I'm definitely curious to see what people think about that. But overall, it looks like everybody had a great time. I am really curious to see um, some of these deck lists. Um, just to get some new ideas. I really I like a lot of these ideas. Um, and... The whole event looks like everybody had a great time. Unfortunately, the Twitch stream didn't work out, but they did record, so expect some video footage coming here. Yep, definitely looking
1: forward to that.
0: Um, And then the final match was Patrick versus Woodrow with Patrick coming out victorious and on top. And I think that is a perfect way to lead into our interview with Patrick Broadway.
1: Yep, let's get into it, wife.
0: So, we are joined by a very special guest today, Patrick Broadway. Patrick, you have just come from an incredible weekend of playing this card game that we all know and love.
1: And from what we heard, fighting the monstrous winter storm.
0: <laughs> yes. Um. So, Patrick, aside from being our victor of this weekend, do you want to say a couple things about yourself?
2: Uh, well, uh, I've been... Uh... Good friends with uh, Woodrow and the rest of the, uh, most of the crew in the uh, Reborn group uh, for a long time now. Uh, I've played the WoW TCG for a very long time before it died, and I've been glad to see things kicking off and uh, keeping going. Great.
0: Awesome. Well, I guess that kind of leads me into my first question. So, what was your WoW TCG background? Was that your first game that you ever played, or... Had you been playing lots of other trading card games beforehand? Uh,
2: So WoW was not my first uh, trading card game. I've uh, dabbled in quite a few before. I think my very first card game that I got into pretty heavily was the Dragon Ball Z trading card game by Score back in high school. And from there I transitioned to Magic.
0: It seems like the transition that everybody makes.
1: Although that is a, a, a unique starting point, I guess, among people that we've spoken with in the past. I don't recall that anybody said they played the old DBZ game. Not that At least up, up to either. this point.
2: Um, interestingly enough, uh, there was a uh, player that was pretty well known in the WoW TCG, uh, Tim Bateau, oh, who yeah. started out in the DBZ trading card game. I don't know if he started there, but he played it pretty heavily when it was around as well.
1: Right, that's a name that probably all of our listeners will recognize, and if you don't, definitely try and ask about them. You'll you'll yeah.
0: get <laughs> we'll find fun stories. Yeah, exactly. We'll lots of fun stories. So um, at what period did you start playing the WoW TCG?
1: So
2: my very first uh, WoW TCG interaction, uh, I went up to the GameStop, and they had a bunch of the very first set starter decks. Nice. Uh, Heroes of Azeroth. Nice. I picked them up. I had no idea about anything to do with it, and it got shoved into a into a container and just kind of left around. And then uh, a friend of mine, Phil Stacy, uh, who I played magic with, kind of was got me back into the WoW game. He was like, "Hey, you know, I've started playing this, and I've got extra decks. You want to come up and play on the weekends with me?" And uh, so I just started doing there, and I got really into it. That was just before the release of Worldbreaker.
0: Okay.
1: Okay. That seemed to be a very common jumping on point for a lot of people because of, I don't know if it's directly because of the transition from Upper Deck to Cryptozoic, but it makes a a logical starting point for a lot of people because you're getting in on the ground level of the new regime, I guess. Right. I think
2: it also had to do a lot with uh, how much they pushed the promotions after they got a hold of the license, too. Yeah, they really did.
0: Actually, how much they pushed the promotions is what got me started playing the online game because they pushed it so much. I was like, I want to see what this is about. I've been playing the <laughs> card game. Um, so this weekend was uh, the event in Indianapolis. You have come out victorious, but you are going to solve a point of contention. I'm going to let you solve it. Hold How it. do you pronounce your hero's name?
2: Uh, Lord Benjamin tremendous
0: All right.
1: And I hope you announce that every time that you slam it on
0: the table. <laughs> your
1: opponent's like, who are you playing? And then you just belt so, it out.
2: If, uh, interestingly enough is uh, I've dabbled with trying to do alter arts of uh, Benjamin, and I used to have an oversized version of Benjamin. It was nice. the only oversized hero I would ever play with. As the only oversized hero, most of my friends were okay with me playing with, <laughs> simply because he was that tremendous. Yes. Of course.
0: Um. Yeah. So for some reason, when I started playing this game, in my head I got it down as Tremendousen. <laughs> like, and it would not go away. So it took me a very long time to come to terms with Lord Benjamin Tremendousen. It's really
1: having to unlearn things. Sometimes is
0: a yeah. little challenging.
1: So it sounds as though you are have been very familiar with this particular hero for a number of years at this stage. So did you have your heart set on playing Death Wish going into this event or was it you fell back on Old Faithful or how did you get to wanting to play this for this particular event?
2: So, uh, interestingly enough, Death Wish, uh, particularly the Lord Benjamin version, was the first deck I started playing when I got back into the game. It was the extra deck that was given to me to play on weekends, and so that's where I was jumping off with. it. Gotcha. And so, having a lot of experience, it is the deck that I know the most. Going into this event, I didn't have a lot of time, uh, because of the holiday season, mm-hmm. to really brew up, because I wanted to bring something that was kind of unique, that hadn't been seen at a lot of events, uh, and wasn't pushed very heavily, and I knew Death Wish was one of those, but I took that uh, to an event at Gen Con the previous year, and I wanted to try to do something better, but I didn't have the time to mess around with stuff, so I just kind of fell back onto what I already knew. And I was like, you know what, I know this deck, I enjoy playing it a lot, let's just give it another go.
0: That's totally fair. I, I'm always a big fan of going with what you know very well, because I think that leads to you having a really good weekend whether you win or not, because you at least know what you're doing. You don't feel blindsided.
1: There is something also to be said that this particular deck, due to its inherent nature, lends itself to brewing in a more unique way. Would you say that? Because of the tutors and because of the recursion that simply changing a handful of cards, and I'm not sure if this is, and we can get into that in a few minutes, whether this particular list was something you've had for a while or you made last-second changes, but do you feel Deathwish is very personalized for you?
2: I do, and one of the things about it is it is the toolbox nature, as you hit upon where you have the tutors and you can run a lot of one-off uh, armor. Another thing is that it, because of the way that it deviates from the standard gameplay style, where you're not running allies and you're not really concerned about trying to fight for the board against other allies and that kind of thing, you're a mid-range deck that doesn't care about your allies. Right. So... You don't have the same restrictions on what you're going to be able to play that some of the other decks do, especially in Classic, where uh, allies like uh, Hesriana limit your capacity of what you can put in your deck and things like that.
1: Absolutely, yeah. And it, you do end up dodging a lot of the common things, because as you said, you're not an ally-based deck fighting for the board, so you can attack your opponent on a different axis that they may or may not be prepared for, because up to this point, equipment... I mean, Death Wish was always the specter in the background, but at a lot of recent events in the past few years, it's been ally-based or ability-based things that have scared people. So you can definitely catch people by surprise, even though Death Wish is not, I guess, inherently a surprising build.
2: Right. And I think uh, a lot of that is the things that are good against armor is good against all armor no matter what you're doing. Right. So that lets you just pick and choose what works best in your deck as opposed to, oh, I can't run this because Miniature Voodoo Mass exists. Right. You're not concerned with that. Absolutely. And, you know, another thing is that a lot of the reasons I think Death Wish kind of takes a backseat is how difficult the deck can be to pilot when you're not used to it because of those one-offs and those situations and the toolboxes. You really have to know your deck going into it. Yeah, so that, that definitely makes while. sense.
0: Well, looking into that toolbox, obviously there's one major like glaring obvious sign, but is there a major deck MVP that you would say? Like maybe one or two cards because obviously we have the <laughs> other one, than I guess other, the like, obvious one. the fact one. <laughs> that it's named after that deck.
2: Um, right. Um personally, uh the card that I found the most useful for the tournament uh was definitely Shadowmourne. Okay. Um particularly with how strong Anubarak is and how many decks were either running Anubarok or could generate some kind of repeated uh, ability or, or a repeated ally mm-hmm. from that kind of situation. Just turning that off and getting a six-attack weapon that strikes for free was incredibly powerful.
0: Yeah, I
1: can imagine I, uh, any opponent uh, Where, How many times did you get to do that to somebody?
2: I think I played... Shadowborn on an Anubarak two times. It was against the same opponent, uh, once in the Swiss and once in the finals.
1: Okay.
0: Even then. And I'm like, guessing Woodrow was
1: not happened. very excited
0: about
2: it. <laughs> <happened>. <laughs> I'm going to go
1: out on a limb and make an no. assumption here.
2: No, he, he was not. Uh, <laughs> uh, there were a lot of other factors that, uh, that compounded on top of that and just kind of led to a really powerful game plan for me that I was able to sneak in under his uh, tricky mage cards. Awesome.
0: Um, so did you have any difficult matchups? Or
2: there, uh, The only matchup that I was really worried about going into the tournament was the combo deck. I don't think it made the top... You know, it doesn't make the top four, but it was in the Swiss. The... It was a Writ of Vengeance combo deck. And hmm. that deck could go off quicker than I have answers to deal with it. Okay. So it doesn't matter how much armor I get, I'm probably dying from a fifty-point hit.
0: I mean, yeah,
1: that could uh, that be seems a problem. Like it could,
0: it could, it could, it could have a problem.
1: Yeah, I. So I guess along those lines, I'm hoping anybody out there listening who is at the event uh, also takes this to heart. But Patrick, are you intending to do any sort of tournament report for the official Reborn website at this stage?
2: Uh, I don't have plans right now, but I could talk to Woodrow uh, a little later. Uh, I have limited uh, scheduling time okay. right now. Completely so, reasonable. But I, that would be something I would be interested in doing. Uh, I've already had a couple of people reach out to me, asking me questions about the deck. Right. Um, particularly, especially for their lists and things. So, uh, absolutely would be something that I would be interested in, but I don't have
1: plans to do it now. No problem. And I mean, we do appreciate you spending time talking with us, and we're going to ask you a bunch of more questions about the list, but it's something that for these sort of events that even if any of the listeners out there, maybe you, you didn't win the whole thing, because we're talking to the winner right now, that doesn't matter. It's important to get those thoughts out there, whether it just be about the event as a whole, how the deck did. You know, a single event doesn't necessarily indicate a deck is good, bad, or different. So yeah.
0: Right. And it's also nice because... For those of us who, unfortunately, do not live within reasonable driving distance of Indianapolis and might still be super salty that they couldn't get the weekend off, um, that puts us in the <laughs> footsteps like we were there. I mean, what?
1: Yeah, you can live vicariously through those I'm, that were able to be present.
0: I'm not cranky about it at all. It's so fine.
1: So I, I guess as a quick rundown, what did you play throughout the day? You had mentioned already that you played against Woodrow's Red Mage both in the finals and then in the Swiss. Uh, right. What else did you come across that— Stuck out in your mind, or just in general?
2: So, my first two matchups were very easy matchups for me. Um, I felt like I got incredibly lucky with the pairings, because I ran into two blue hunter lists. Yeah, that's... Neither neither hunter lists were running uh, piercing shots, which is probably one of the best tools that hunter can utilize against me. It's not a game-breaker, but it does really put me on the back foot. I can definitely uh, see that. Prevents all damage, uh, stops damage prevention from heroes and allies that the hunter has, and also lets them draw a card every time they deal five. Hmm. So if you can't answer that quickly, they're going to start clawing back from their early losses. Right. So I played against two blue hunters, and those were probably my best matchups. Um, I feed off of the early uh, ally decks and I can kind of prevent the damage so their burst can't get through as, e- as effectively. Yeah. I right. played against the Rune of Vengeance combo deck and the Red Mage. And then in the finals, uh, my favorite deck that I saw up there was actually Neil's deck, which was a monster Grand Crusader Paladin that was just running ridiculous mid- and late-game allies.
0: Just yeah. Come down and you're huh. like...
2: Wait a minute! You're a Grand Crusader deck. Why is there things in your deck that cost more than two? Yeah. Yeah, we're very... totally not prepared for it.
1: <laughs> I could see why, because I would have had the exact same thought process, because I did when I was looking at the deck list. <laughs> uh, it, it definitely surprised me, so I'm very curious. Uh, again, about people's thoughts on the event, so I'd love to hear these other people's perspectives too. Um, so I guess from the other end, because wife was asking you about MVPs, was there anything? Especially given the toolbox nature that you felt, if you had to do it over, that you would have changed. Would you still be playing Deathwish? Or you had mentioned you wanted to brew something, but did you have enough fun with Deathwish that you'd play it again?
2: Oh, I had a plan. I would always play Deathwish again. It doesn't, <laughs> it doesn't matter. It's, it is the deck that defines my WOW TCG experiences. Nice. Um, I have probably 200 plus more games on Deathwish than any other deck I've ever played. So there's a whole wealth of knowledge in there that just keeps me coming back to that deck. Awesome. Solo, solo deck strategies are always fun for me. I like that because it's just something that's different.
1: Absolutely. It's something that the WoW TCG really... I haven't found it, and I'm sure there are other games that provide that experience, but I haven't found it yet. Uh, they typically are, you know... I guess if you you play Magic or anything else and you play a dedicated control deck that's running few or no creatures or allies, it's kind of the same experience, but it's not the same.
2: The closest I ever got to recreating a Death style deck was on the Eternal TCG, which is an online one. Right. Uh, and there was a deck called Armory in there. Uh, it's not really around anymore because a lot of changes have happened okay. to make it less effective. But essentially it was a bunch of weapons, and you use them to control the board until you get to the point where you just beat your opponent in the face with weapons.
1: Gotcha. Makes sense. So... From there, Wife, you had something else, right?
0: Um, yeah, so do you have... And it doesn't even have to just be this event, but obviously this event is a great way to do it, but do you have a favorite card interaction? Um, I mean, I feel I feel like dealing with the Nubarak pretty well is probably a pretty awesome thing. To, it's, it must be a nice feeling. But um, is there any favorite interaction that you have either with your deck or something that you saw from the weekend?
2: So as far as favorite interaction... Uh, specifically just individually, I don't think there's anything to come I do know that my the deck that I played against that I had the most fun playing, and after the game was over, uh, the person who was playing it came over to me, and he said uh, that was the most fun game I had, and I lost, but that was still the most fun game, uh, was against the Rune of Vengeance deck. Yeah. Because there were so many things that he was playing to try to stall me and there were so many cards that he was drawing that it became a mind game of do I have the answer to his card and can he then answer that in return and at what point is he going to die to my damage because he only has 25 health left
1: Right. yeah Yeah, it's that interesting dance we'll call it where I'm sure going into the event you weren't aware of that deck until you saw it actually getting played correct
2: I had heard inklings of it ahead of time uh-huh. when it was decided that somebody was going to play it. Okay. But before the before the event, I didn't know exactly how the combo worked
1: 100%. Right. So it, it, where I'm going with this is it's it's kind of in that interesting realm of you have an idea of how it's supposed to function, but they clearly are going to have more information about your deck, and it's trying to work out exactly how you can you know, actually get there or prevent them from getting there, I guess. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, it's that... Oh, go ahead, sorry.
2: No, it's fine. Uh, I didn't even expect to see it be paired with Shaman. That was the surprising part of it. I expected it to be just pure DK. Right. And when I sat down across from the Shaman DK, I had to pick up the the card and look, and I was like, wait a minute, this is not uh, the 32 health DK. What is this?
0: (laughs) (laughs) What is going on?
1: Although it... And I don't know if that deck list is public uh, or not. I don't see it posted on... The Reborn website, but if uh, whoever was piloting it is willing to share, I'm sure the community would be very interested to know, because that is a very unique build.
2: I'm, I'd be surprised that it wasn't on the...
1: He may have it. I'm looking at... So he initially posted, in he being Woodrow, posted the top four deck lists, so it may just be, get those up oh, there. Oh, okay, yeah. Yeah, he may just not be... Yeah, it
2: was not in the top four, but it was it, it missed it by, I think, one or two spaces.
1: Oh, that, that's rough. Because that's, like I said, it's definitely a, a very unique thing. And I think it would have, uh, a lot of people would have looked at it and definitely not known what was going on right away.
0: Right. So, um, how do you feel the event went overall? Obviously, you won, but I mean the event itself. Um, it's our first big Reborn event. Yep. Um, and it's exciting to see it all go down. So, how do you how do you feel it went for the weekend?
2: I, I thought it was great. Um I actually helped to run a few things while I was there as well. On top of that, I think we did a really good job. I think there's always room for improvements. There's a couple of things I talked to Woodrow about afterwards, but for the most part, I was really happy uh, with being able to get people out that wanted to play. Everybody had, seemed like they were having a lot of fun. Great. Uh I we brought out uh, I brought out a webcam and things, and we took recordings, so there nice. should be recordings of the matches. We had a feature match area with a playmat and everything done up really nice. Perfect. So that should be coming up uh, as soon as I can get that over to Woodrow. And then, uh, you know, everything seemed to go really smooth.
1: Awesome. That's great to hear. Cause it, it's important to get that, that first step with the right foot. Uh, so I guess leading from there, I did have two questions for you, but the first one is, do you see, are you, Are you just a classic diehard, or are you intending to attend all of the future Reborn events? Assuming, of course, since you had mentioned your schedule is pretty tight as it is.
2: It is my understanding that uh, I will be able to attend all of the events events as it is now. And that is my goal as well, because in addition to playing, I'm also helping out with the stuff here and there as much as I can uh, for Woodrow, such as, like I said, the recording and the streaming. I'm right. managing the Twitch account for him a little bit. Perfect. So I'm trying to lend as much assistance as I can where I can. But I would absolutely love to be at every event to help out, whether it be playing or helping out or running things, uh, wherever I can help and do.
1: Fantastic. So the other question I had for you is in a different vein. I saw some pictures because, unfortunately, his wife mentioned, we could not make it out as, as much as I wanted to just drop everything and go. think uh, <laughs> I saw a bunch of pictures of people playing Chaos. Did you get a chance to participate?
2: I did not get a chance to participate in Chaos. I believe that was going on either during the final match when me and Woodrow were playing against each other, or it happened like right after. Okay. And so I just took a I took a step back, I took a break, I was like uh, I'm a little exhausted. So <laughs> I would relax, relax, get some food in me. I hadn't eaten so. But I did not, but I really wanted to because uh, Chaos is a format that I remember from before the game died. Right. That I was super excited about, and nobody wanted to play it.
1: Yeah, I'm I'm glad there's going to be a resurgence for it, that there's a lot of effort being put in. It's something that I always try and get Wife into, and now that she has a much larger wealth of knowledge for the game.
0: He tried—okay, like— one of the first decks he handed me was a Chaos deck. And that's go, it was It was in, like, the first month.
1: No, it wasn't, I because it didn't exist like, for, like, four years after that.
0: I, I disagree. <laughs> that's,
1: um, that's clearly
0: factually I incorrect. I disagree. <laughs> anyway, he handed me a deck, and I at that point, I had pretty much only played, like, Mage, and maybe one Orc deck, and I knew no cards, and that did not work out well.
1: Yeah, it's not exactly a uh, new player-friendly format, but it definitely is a fun one that uh, it's something, as you said, I'm, I'm in agreement. I want to try and participate more. I'm hoping if we can get lucky enough to attend one of the Reborn events, that I'll at least be able to jump in one of those games.
2: One of my favorite uh, pastimes with friends is playing EDH. Okay. And Chaos is a lot like the EDH format for Magic. So seeing more support for it would really be something interesting. Plus, it's just cool to be able to play these big, powerful figures from the WoW
1: lore. Absolutely. So one of the things that was not initially on our list of questions, but a thought came to me as we're discussing everything. So going into this event, correct me if I'm wrong, there were no bands at all.
2: There were no bands. Uh, The intent going into this, um, and I talked to Woodrow in length about this beforehand, was to gauge the playing field and see how things felt without any bands to see if anybody was like, Oh, this is not banned, I'm gonna try and play this and see if it just like created an unfun or non interactive experience or if there were any standout cards and based on the way that the games played and what we saw, we decided to hold off on the bands because of that.
1: Makes sense. We didn't
2: we didn't see anything initially. So like <laughs> bands in video games or card games, it's all about watching and making decisions over long periods of time and seeing the interactions before jumping to the bands. And of I course. think that's very good for the health of the format.
1: Absolutely. I mean, I, you don't want to pull the trigger too early on something like that because it can be just as negative for someone to say, well, my favorite deck or this particular interaction that I like is now toast. So do you feel after it sounds as though this is not the case, but do you feel going towards the next classic event that – something should be changed or that there's something that you're keeping
2: your eyes on or anything along those lines? The only the only deck uh, in which I think there is a legitimate case for any kind of changes or bans would be the quest decks that use either Unending Breath or uh, Aquatic Form. Yeah. Just because of the way that they play. It's not about their power level. It reminds me of Second Sunrise Egg decks from Magic. They were decks that, for... Twenty to thirty minutes. Your opponent is on the other side of the table, doing all kinds of cool, play, crazy things, finishing up the combo. You have to sit there and wait for them to finish it, and then they tell you you're dead, or they yeah. they might fizzle out and not do anything, and you could win. The, but the entire time you have to watch them play the game, and you don't get to do anything. Yeah. Right. The
0: first time we came up against that was in Georgia. I forget what event it was. No. The it was first Tim when it Batall. showed up. Yeah, it was Tim Patel. And he pulls out (laughs) graph paper and I go, okay, I'm done. Okay, thanks.
1: (laughs) Well, it was definitely the talk of the town at the time. And I can certainly agree with you there. The power level, especially in classic, I'm not convinced that, uh, of course it could win an event. It could certainly place well, but I don't think that it over the long haul power level wise, that it certainly, it definitely justifies it. It's, as you said, just an unfun experience to put right. it quite plainly.
2: Yeah. And I think that the game does need combo decks. I just don't think it needs combo decks where one person plays the game. Yeah. Exactly.
0: And I definitely agree with that. Um, so did you have a best moment of the weekend? It could be card-related, it could be not card-related, just your favorite memory going to be looking back on this weekend.
2: Um... I think, uh, as as silly as it might sound, was getting killed on turn three with a fifty attack
1: weapon.
0: <laughs> <it. laughs> I mean, yeah, that's that seems like a pretty fun.
1: Okay, so did uh, you see, you had mentioned you were aware of the deck going in, not to break your train of thought, but did you see that coming, or did he just drop it on you on turn three and go, "Oops, you're dead"?
2: Uh, so I watched him uh, every. We played three uh, games in that match, and every game he played, turn one he played. Uh, one of the Ring of Trials quests, I think, okay. that just mills three. Right. Yeah. Every single mill three the, in the three cards was the ally he needs in his graveyard to remove.
1: Oh, that that kind of gives it so away. every time <laughs> I
2: sit there, I'm looking at it, I'm like, okay, well, clearly this is what you're going to remove. <laughs> right, yeah. right. Do you have the combo? Because I knew that he could kill me on turn two if he got lucky Right. with it. So I watched him do that, and every time he would draw a card, I was like, do you have it? <laughs> because before, before Turn 4, I can't respond to it. Right. So if he has it before Turn 4, I'm just dead. Yes.
0: Yeah. <laughs> um, that's That seems like a pretty fun interaction and something that I would like to at least witness happen.
1: Well, it's to your earlier point, Patrick, that the game needs combo decks. I think that is true, and I think that one is much more reasonable than some of the alternatives.
2: Absolutely. It feels more like the reasonable combo decks for Magic, where... You have a series of cards you're trying to put together, and when you get to it, it happens. Sometimes you can just swing out on turn two or three with it. That's less fun and interactive for most people, but the inconsistency of that happening is what is beneficial.
1: Right, but, although by the same token, and it's not something that I think a lot of people consciously are aware of, but probably subconsciously are, that aggro decks and even control decks can have the same sort of openers. It's just not necessarily as obvious. Aggro decks, yes, if they curve out and blow you out and there's nothing you can do because they hit the nuts, that's kind of obvious. But there are games where mid-range or control decks, the way the cards happen to line up, you never stood a chance. So right. it, it's not...
2: It doesn't matter if the game ends on turn six or turn two. If the cards winded up coming out in a certain direction or a certain way early on, you were going to lose that no matter what happened. Absolutely. So does that really change anything is the question. Right. It changes It, changes, it how you feel about it might change. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you might feel way worse about the one where somebody just combos you on turn two and kills you versus the one where you fought valiantly against the aggro deck, but inevitably you lost because you feel like you had more control even when you didn't.
1: Exactly. It's
2: all about perception.
1: Absolutely. Yeah.
0: Well, it sounds like you had a pretty amazing weekend. Um, I do want to... Uh, not completely finish up, but we do a uh, string of silly questions um, that we like to do. Um, rapid fire, quick answer, whatever you want to call it. Uh, we uh-huh. haven't been able to do it the last couple interviews because, unfortunately, they already knew the questions. So you are my our fresh voice for these questions. Are you ready? Uh, sure. All right. <laughs> Alliance or horde? Horde. Constructed or limited? Constructed. Combo, control, or aggro?
2: Control and combo.
0: Alright, and then the final big question, Darkwing Duck or Batman? Batman. Uh, One day. <laughs> <laughs> I
1: think we got one person.
0: We got one person to say Darkwing Duck. And um, I think one
1: person didn't know who Darkwing was, which is yeah. really sad. How oh, do
2: you really not old. know who Darkwing Duck
0: is? Exactly, he's the terror that flaps in the night. I, 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 w- would... I will say
2: it's a close call, but
0: <laughs> I mean, that's, that's fair. That's fair. Um, but yeah, so those are silly questions, but, uh, do you have anything you want to, before we finish up anything you want to plug any shout outs?
2: Um, uh, want to shout out to the, uh, groups of people that sponsored the event. Uh, I believe Card Lords was one of them. They provided us with, uh, some of the tokens that were used in the feature match area, as well as a, One of their games was one of the prizes for winning. I haven't got a chance to sit down and play it yet, but I hope to soon. Great. Awesome. And I think there were a couple of others. Uh, Those will be on the uh, stream and the website as well. Uh, I don't remember them off the top of my head now.
1: Oh, Completely reasonable.
0: All right. Well, thank you so much for coming on. We really do appreciate it, especially... Because I know I kind of attacked you with this relatively quickly after your win. So I appreciate you. I appreciate <laughs> yeah, that. We def-
1: thank you definitely for joining us. It was a pleasure having
2: you on. That's okay. I was warned you would be coming. so <laughs> Yeah,
0: <laughs> okay. well, I, d- I did tell Woodrow to uh, give a forewarning. So thank you so much. We really do appreciate it. I hope you have a wonderful evening, sir. Well,
2: thank you. You have a wonderful evening as well.
0: Bye-bye. For all other things Random's Thoughts, please join us on our website randomsthoughts.wordpress.com or on Facebook or Twitter, both at the House o Random.